Oh, family, it's so good to be here. <laughs> so good to be here. Um, I just want to thank the eldership um, for the warm welcome. Uh, I feel, we feel so at home here as a family. We have loved being part of the Glenridge family, and it is just the utmost honor to be able to share the Word of God, and I do so with, with fear and trembling today. When I felt Holy Spirit put on my heart to speak on the, the wisdom, He is wisdom, I was like, wow, that is such an amazing topic. And this week I was like, oh, it's such a big topic. <laughs> to do it justice. I know I'm not going to do it justice, but I'm just going to translate, hopefully, and with the partnership of the Holy Spirit, be able to communicate the richness of Jesus as the wisdom of God. And uh, so here's wisdom. There is, you don't have to be a Christian for very long to realize that there is a battle for truth that is raging in the world. There is a battle for wisdom and there is a heavenly wisdom that is superior to all other wisdoms. And there is earthly wisdom and a worldly wisdom. When I was in my early 20s, I grew up in a very traditional church. And when I was in my early 20s, I, went, um, I moved churches. I went to a spirit-filled, Bible-loving church. And I went on a camp. And um, I was sitting there and people started prophesying and I just love this, this newfound gift of the Holy Spirit and the fact that we could get gifts from the Holy Spirit was so amazing. And I was sitting there and uh, the person preaching came to me and he said, Candice, I feel like today God wants to give you the gift of wisdom. And let me just um, pause there and say that yes, there is a gift of wisdom that 1 Corinthians 12 talks about. It's a spiritual gift, but as children of God, we all have access to the wisdom of God, and we will look further at that. So it's by no means saying that only people with the gift of wisdom can be wise. We all have access to that if you're a child of God in Christ Jesus. But anyway, I'm sitting at this camp, and I'm like, can say my response was less than excited, I'll be honest with you, and I kind of felt like that child at Christmas time when, you know, everyone's opening up Lego or dolls or something electric, or, you know, and everything, everyone's so excited, and, and there's always one mom that thought that her kid needed some extra stationery or a pencil bag or some more pencils, and I was like, thank you, I think, thank you, Lord. But as a child, you know, as we start this journey with Christ Jesus, the thing we have to grow up from is children don't realize the value of things that they are given. Hey, they leave expensive toys out in the rain. They lose one-of-a-kind items. But we have to move on from that and then realize the treasure and the value of what we are given in Christ Jesus. And I had to move past that. And so today, one of my goals is that we reappreciate the life-giving wisdom, the awesomeness of the wisdom of God that we all have access to. And secondly, we pursue it. We have such a zealous pursuit for the wisdom of God. And then thirdly, I, I want to just unpack briefly in the time that I have to understand the destructiveness and the deception of worldly wisdom. Does that sound good? Is that all right? 
So the source of wisdom, let's start there. He's the source of wisdom, Jesus Christ. And we're going to read a passage from 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 31. And it says, um, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Paul Paul goes on to say, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what we preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And we go down a bit further in verse 30, it says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. There's so much in that passage, but if I can just take out in talking about Jesus as the source of wisdom, just some key points there. The first one is, do you see how, if we go to that next um, picture there, the message of the cross, the message of Jesus Christ, who's the wisdom of God, means two completely different things, depending if you are in Christ Jesus and you've made him Lord and Savior, or if you haven't and you are unsaved. The message of the cross to us saved Jews and Gentiles is the power of God. Rome says it's the power of God for salvation. But to the unsaved, to the world around us, it is absolute foolishness. Have you ever felt misunderstood? You wonder why? Don't be discouraged. Okay, we're all in the same boat. But the Amplified actually says um, that the message of the cross of Jesus Christ looks illogical and absurd. So friends, I want to say also, we need to be prepared to be misunderstood a bit. We need to be prepared to have people look at us like we are a little bit crazy, absurd. It's okay, because we, we translate that message as the power of God for our salvation. In verse 25, um, it says you know, that the message of the cross is the wisdom of God for us. In verse 30, it says, it's the wisdom of God, it's our righteousness, it's sanctification, and it's redemption for us. But to the unsaved, the unbelievers not in Christ Jesus yet, to the Jews, to unsaved Jews, it's offensive. It's an offense to their religious ideas. And verse 23, to the Greeks, to unsaved Gentiles, it's foolishness. Okay. The amazing thing, the good news in this, there is good news, is that for us as believers, you do not have to have a degree or a qualification to be wise in the kingdom of God. Praise God. Our Father is so, he, he just validates and accepts us. Or, you know, you, you could have come 
from a shelter this morning. You could have come from a business meeting. You could have come from university campus this week. But we are all able to access the wisdom of God through Christ Jesus. And the wisdom of God, as I was, it may look strange, illogical, absurd. It may look old-fashioned. It may look out of date. That does not diminish its power. I, I really believe, you know, the Bible talks about that we're going to be persecuted for our faith. And many of us have been, not in the ways that some of our brothers and sisters around the world are, but that we're also going to face in this end times a persecution for the wisdom that we have, for the wise counsel of God that we start to share, for the wise judgments of God and how we say things are and how things aren't. And we need to be ready to be strengthened with the wisdom of God. It's the power of God to not shake and not bend when it comes to that. The wisdom of this world. It says in verse 19 that God intends to destroy the wisdom of the world, to frustrate, the uh, to dismantle the intelligence of the intelligent. If you look at those Greek words, to destroy the wisdom of this world, to um, frustrate the intelligence of the in intelligent. It means to baffle, to confuse, to dismantle, and to confound. It's important that we realize God has this, he's on a roadmap, he's got a destination here. He intends to, to baffle, to confound, to frustrate, and to dismantle the wisdom of this world. But not to leave it there. He's intending to replace it with a superior wisdom, with the wisdom that is Christ Jesus. And friends, the, the most amazing thing is that the vehicle that he's going to use is the church. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety. The manifold wisdom of God is going to be manifest through the church to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, through the activity, our activity, the way that we live, the way that we parent, the way that we conduct business meetings, the way that we go to school, the wisdom of God, the manifold, rich wisdom of God is going to be translated to the earth. And it is intended to overthrow and dispel and replace the wisdom of this world. That is also why we have to hold the line and not mix it with anything else. He wants his wisdom, his statutes, his judgments, his wise counsel to go viral, to go global. We're talking about every home, every business, every school, every family, every meeting, every hospital, every place you can imagine, every corner. When I was, when I was pre preparing this, I felt the Holy Spirit also want to deposit something on. If you are involved in human resources, I don't know if anyone, if, if you have an HR role in any way, can you put your hand up? Wonderful. Anyone who is in the form of writing something that other people are going to read, I felt particularly, were you writing policies? Were you writing codes of conduct? 
where you are writing constitutions, where you're writing internal memos of employee communication, anything like that. Can you put your hand up? I want to pray for you. I really feel like there needs to be a drawing down of the wisdom of heaven through the activity of the church. You're going to make known the wisdom of, of God to your colleagues, to employees, and the unseen realm at the same time. Just keep your hands up. Can we just stretch out our hands? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for these people. Your writing agents in this world, those conduits and vessels for the wisdom of God to be made known to the unseen realm and to everyone that they come into contact with. We thank you, Father, for the anointing to translate your spiritual truths for ears and eyes on the ground, Father, that there be a drawing down and a release of the wisdom of heaven in the marketplaces, in the education sectors, Father, in families, all of that, Father, I thank you that we would pursue, they would pursue with greater hunger and zeal the wisdom of heaven to be written into those documents in Jesus' name. We thank you for that, Lord. It's extraordinary. I thank you, Father. He wants to dispel, replace, the wisdom of this world with the wisdom of heaven. And I was, as I, was, as I said, I felt like if you are involved in those roles, you are a vessel, you are a channel at your desk, at your laptop there for the wisdom of heaven to be translated onto the earth. Isaiah 2, verse 1 to 5, it's a prophecy that God um, talks about and commentators are there's two camps around whether he's talking about when Jesus is in his thousand-year reign on the earth or just in the latter days after Jesus has ascended to heaven. But nonetheless, this is what God says. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest mount of uh, sorry shall be established as the highest of the mountains and it shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of, of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the, the law, the teaching, and the word of the Lord from Jer Jerusalem. What God is saying there that his desire and his mission and assignment is at the mountain of the Lord, where the Lord governs and rules and reigns from, is going to be exalted and elevated to the highest mountain. The wisdom that is attached to the rule of Jesus in the earth, his wise counsel and his wise judgments are going to be elevated up above every other mountain, above every other industry, voice, or sector. We're going to see a day where this comes to pass, where actually the nations of the world are going to come to the mountain of the Lord, and they're going to want his counsel, and they're going to want his verdict on things, and his judgments. And what does the word say about this? And it's going to be the most exalted idea and truth above all other voices in this world. But friends, no, it's got to start with his church now, with each one of us, each family, each church, each local body, saying that this wisdom is supreme. This is the wisdom that I run my life with, that our family subscribes to, submits to.
And we're going to see that day come to pass. My fourth point, just in looking at the source of wisdom, is that worldly wisdom will always have a guise. It will always have an exterior or a packaging that somehow makes it palatable and appealing to us. That's why we need discernment. It doesn't arrive like dog food on the plates in front of us, and we're like, we clearly know what that is. We're not going to eat that. It is always packaged. It is always put in something that's going to appeal to the flesh or that makes it a bit more palatable, that we maybe will invite it in and take a bit of a closer look. In Colossians 2 verse 23, so the scripture isn't on the slide here, but Paul is looking to dismantle some of the religious ideas of his day. And he says in Colossians 2 verse 23, he says, these may indeed have the appearance of wisdom. There's an acknowledgement. He's saying, these actually look clever. They look intelligent. You know, they look attractive in some way, these religious ideas, these things. Um, But then he goes on to say, but you know what? They have no value for crucifying the flesh. There is no salvation power attached to them to consecrate yourself, to make you holy, to make you godly. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, we know, Paul says, you know, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He's not going to appear often as Satan. He's going to masquerade. He's going to put on another appearance. And then he goes on to say, and so his servants disguise themselves as agents of righteousness. We need to use such discernment in this day and age where God is on this assignment to exalt his mountain to, for the wisdom of the Lord to go out and replace all inferior forms of wisdom. But the enemy is doing his absolute best to wrap earthly and demonic wisdom in a more palatable guise. One of the things I've, I've seen actually even recently, um, the celebrity marketing is one of these sort of attractive rappers that he's using, that the enemy is using to promote earthly wisdom, worldly wisdom. And I remember I opened up Instagram recently and obviously because I'm following a lot of Christian authors and writers, um, you get a whole bunch of other spiritual adverts come up too. And I remember seeing this well-known talk show host. I mean, that I used to watch many moons ago, and it's not the one that you're probably thinking about, it's another one. But she was there uh, promoting, in this quick ad, transcendental meditation. That she does it, that she advocates for it, that she's received benefit from it, and I just couldn't believe my mind. It was the celebrity rapping for such a thing that I, mean, I can't get into all of it, but it's just such a demonic activity. I open our minds up in a way that God never wanted us to enter into the spirit realm. It is completely demonic, but there was this guise of, that the enemy was using to promote something that was just a wisdom that is completely demonic. In Proverbs 9, verse 13, it says, the woman folly is loud. It talks about in Proverbs 9, uh, the woman that is wisdom and the woman that is foolishness. Okay. 
And the woman folly, she is loud, she is seductive, and she knows nothing. It's saying that worldly wisdom, one of the ways that we know that it's worldly wisdom, that it's unspiritual, it's not from Jesus, is that it's often loud, it's obnoxious, it's in your face, it's haughty, it's arrogant, it's proud, it's I know best and you know nothing and I'm looking for a fight. Has anyone encountered wisdom, an idea, a theory like that? I mean, there's tons of that going around now. It's aggressive. It's you will take this. The woman folly, she's loud, and she is seductive. We said there's a provocativeness about earthly wisdom and wisdom that is from the kingdom of darkness. Okay, there's an attraction, but it says it knows nothing. It's empty of all power to bring forth good fruit, salvation, and sanctification. But James, in James 4, he says, um, who is wise and understanding among you? James goes, on to, James goes on to say, let him show it by deeds that are done in the meekness of wisdom. He's saying that Jesus, the, the wisdom that comes from the word of God, from Jesus Christ, there's a meekness, there's a gentleness that comes when we, when we walk, when we act, when we operate in the type of heavenly wisdom. Why? Because the wisdom of God is so powerful, we don't need to clothe it in anything else. It's powerful enough. We just come in meekness and gentleness and the wisdom of God has all the power that, that it needs. I remember when I was doing my, my honors at university, I was doing um, a, a psychology module just the other day when I was at university. And uh, let me just take a sip. Thank you. I was sitting in one of my favorite courses. It was a course on trauma, recovery from trauma, how to assist victims of, that have gone through tra trauma. And I was sitting in this course and um, our, our prof was someone who had been involved in the area of trauma and helping victims of trauma for decades. He was an international author, he had written books, he had written international papers. And we used to come to class and sit glued to our seats. Um, and just absolutely captivated by the stories that he'd talk about, how he was helping and assisting people who had gone through the most abominable atrocities to heal and to over overcome. And I remember the one um, lesson we were sitting there and we were talking about forgiveness and reconciliation. And he put forward such a well-articulated argument and position about why victims that have gone through trauma, people that are overcoming trauma, he said to me, I want to get his, um, his words right, there is a moral pressure that we place onto victims of trauma to forgive their perpetrators. And I remember chewing on this and he carried on and, and he was basically saying, you know, there's a, that we can put a lot of pressure on, a lot of expectation onto people who've gone through trauma to forgive, to just 
forgive their oppressors, their attackers, and that's wrong. And so he was advocating, and it sounded so ethical. It sounded so moral. It sounded so intelligent. Why should we be putting pressure and saying to someone who's gone through trauma, gone through rape, gone through whatever, you need to forgive the person that did that to you? And I walked away, and I thought, wow, that sounds great. And I just got deceived. I didn't even know it. And it was a couple months where I was like, yeah, you know, this is good sense here. And then the Lord blasted me the one day with Matthew 18, and he blasted me again with the Lord's prayer, you know, forgive us as we forgive those. And I'd realized, man, the deceptiveness of earthly wisdom, but the packaging that it comes in. The benefit of wisdom, I know... Friends, oh, I, was, I was struck again when I looked at Proverbs and the, the, the life-giving power when we walk in wisdom and what it produces in our lives. I was actually convinced again, you know, when we pray for people for financial recovery, you know, or um, the restoration of marriages, or maybe people are sick, when you look at the benefits of walking in wisdom and the, the outcomes of wise living, we realize that sometimes we need to factor in when we're praying for people or what, when we're asking God for certain things, where does wisdom fit? Because sometimes he might withhold a miracle. Instead, he'll give you the wisdom to walk out, to get your life aligned with wisdom, to see the fruit come to it. Anyway, let's go and look. 2 Timothy 3 verse 15 Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There's so much more I, I did plan to say about that, but the scriptures make us wise for salvation. And we know Stan's often preached about that. That salvation is not justification alone. That's sozo salvation. It's a rescuing. It's a prosperity. The scriptures make us, bring us into wisdom that leads us into a prosperous soul, a prosperous life, a safe life, a life that is peace. In James 3, verse 17, James talks about the characteristics of heavenly wisdom. And we need to, again, we need to know the authentic, know the, what is heaven's wisdom like so that we're able to discern the counterfeit. And he talks about these beautiful characteristics of heavenly wisdom. And he says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then it's peace-loving. It's considerate. Other translations translate that word considerate. It's open to reason. It is submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and it is sincere. I mean, I can't, I don't have time to go through all of them, but just to say, first of all, you know, it's pure. We've said it's, it's uncorrupted by the flesh, by any earth. It's just absolutely wholly divine. It's not mixed. It's not been defiled with any other earthly ideas. Heavenly wisdom loves peace. It loves peace. And it will always look for 
bringing people, for, for, for establishing unity amongst people, harmony between people, but never a, like, never a, what do you call it, a superficial love or peace. Earthly wisdom will always look to join people together in unity. It's considerate, it's submissive, we've spoken about it, it's full of mercy. When we operate with the wisdom of God and we outwork that, it will always be full of compassion, full of love. Yes, we might want justice, but it won't be justice without mercy. It will always be full of mercy, but it will never be at the expense of truth. Heavenly wisdom has got good fruit. There will be good outcomes. And if you haven't seen the good fruit yet, carry on. It's not the end. It's impartial. There's no favoritism. There's no discrimination in the wisdom of God. When, our, when we as a body operate with God's wisdom, there'll be no discrimination, no favoritism, no favoring one over the, over the, the other. And it is sincere. There's no manipulation in the wise counsel of, of God. What God says is what he means. There's no inconsistency. Okay, the wise counsel in the scriptures, the good judgments of God, they are truth, they are authentic. Proverbs 8 verse 8 says, all the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. There's no hidden agenda that God tries to bring in when he counsels us from the word of God. It is completely trustworthy. If you go through, I mean, I put it up on the screen, the benefits of wisdom, just skimming through some chapters of Proverbs. I didn't even go through all of them. But you have, when, when, when we as a people draw down on the wisdom of Christ Jesus and live it out, we're going to start to see these things manifest in our lives. Things like deliverance and protection, long life and peace, favor and good success. As I said, a lot of the time we might be praying for these things or praying for others to get these things, but we perhaps need to consider how we factor in living in wisdom to those prayers. Um, Proverbs 3 verse 13, uh, wisdom is more valuable than silver and gold. It brings long life, it brings abundant life. It brings freedom from fear, fear increased confidence. Exaltation and promotion have to go through the gates of wisdom. Protection and security, freedom from unnecessary obstacles, hindrances and restraints. Proverbs 4 talks about it brings life to all who find them and healing to our bodies. Proverbs 4 verse 18, riches and honor come with wisdom, enduring wealth and righteousness. Proverbs 4 verse 35, whoever finds me, that's wisdom speaking, whoever finds me finds life and favor from God, but he who fails to find me, listen to this, injures himself all who hate me love death. I'll close shortly with this testimony, but a few years ago I was doing my, well, I didn't end up doing, but I did a concept note to write a PhD. 
And then the Lord closed the doors and said, after I'd written the concept note, you're not going to do it. Um, and, but while I, I spent three months writing this concept note, and it was about looking at the field of uh, trauma and how people rebound from trauma. Why do some people actually go through trauma? How do they rebound and re, uh, show such grit and re resilience that they have better outcomes than they had before they went into the trauma? That is essentially what it was about. And I spent three months scouring the literature, right, looking at systematic literature reviews where, that had pulled together decades of um, research on trauma and recovery and things like that. And I, I, I remember sitting in a coffee shop the one day reading these things and it's, um, it basically summed it up in this. What is the foremost individual factor that will determine if someone shows resilience after trauma? That was really the question. What is the number one factor, personal factor, that if someone has it, they are very likely to rebound from a trauma. And do you know what it was? It was that they can ascribe positive meaning from their trauma. They can have a positive, if they manage to have a positive interpretation of the trauma, they are more than likely able to show resilience and to rebound from it. And I remember they're sitting in this coffee shop thinking, Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. It's in the Word of God. James talks about, you know, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith is going to produce perseverance, and, the pers and perseverance must finish its, its work until you are mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And friends, this is the, the kingdom of God, the wisdom that we have access to here. As people spent millions on that research. Some people have written books on it. And they're going to international conferences. And we have it in the Word of God. The treasure that we have access to in the Word of God. We have to come and not be like me in my early 20s and be like, what is this gift of wisdom? It's treasure that the world has to offer. And I'm closing now, okay? But I wanted to say this, that there's so many of us, I know there's so many, family, who have, you, you love the Word of God and you have you have um, developed your family practices, your family routines, your family rituals. You have built businesses on the wisdom of God. You have counseled your friends and family with the wisdom of God. You are displaying the wisdom of God to the unseen rulers and powers and principalities. And I felt the Lord just want to say, well done. But the one thing I've learned also in this ministry that I'm doing, is that sometimes we have walked with wisdom for so long, it actually just becomes common sense to us. Hey? It's like just a whole lot of common sense. Like, don't people know that that's going to lead to depression? Don't people know that that's going to lead to disorder in a family? But I just wanted to remind us that what might seem like common sense is actually the wisdom of God, and the world needs to know it. Can we reappreciate it? You need, the world needs to know how you have been able to be happily married for the last three decades and not looked at anyone else. And the world needs to know how you were able to overcome that trauma placing Jesus at the center of your restoration. And the world needs to know how you are able to stay pure, teenagers, 
in a world with very compromised norms. And families, the world needs to know, husbands and wives, how you've been able to have your family stay so connected and loving Jesus in an era where there are so many screens and online games. And it might seem like common sense to you, but friends, it's the wisdom of God and the world needs to know it. And God is gonna use that to replace earthly wisdom with worldly wisdom, to baffle people with it, to confound the wisdom of the supposedly wise. Amen. Friends, I, I don't know if you want to close, but I would love to pray and then, you know, happy to hand over. If you can just put that Proverbs 2 scripture up on there, the pursuit of wisdom. I just want to pray a prayer in, in line with this. The pursuit of wisdom. Father, you say in your word that we need to make our ear attentive to wisdom. We want to today make our ear attentive to your wisdom. We want to incline our hearts for understanding. We want to go after your wisdom like we've never gone after it before. Lord, you promise that if we seek it like silver and if we search for it like hidden treasure, then we will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For out of your mouth, Lord, comes wisdom. I pray, Father God, that there just be a burning fire to pursue your wisdom, to search for it like hidden treasure, that we would be willing to wait, to fast, to read, to not go to bed at night until we've searched out your scriptures for wisdom. We thank you, Father, that you would make us bold to live out this heavenly wisdom, no matter what the norms around us, no matter what it might look like to people around us, I thank you, Father, that this church would be known for making the wisdom of God manifest in the world around us. Amen. Can I just say one more thing? I'm done, guys, but I just felt the Lord say to me a promise for particularly young people, and I just, I'll read it the way I felt him say it. Young people, if you are willing to give up being popular with people to live out the wisdom of God, you will secure the favor of God. If you're willing to, I don't know who he's talking to, but there's some young people here. If you are willing to give up the popularity of peers, to walk out heavenly wisdom, he promises you that you will secure his favor. And his favor will bring you way more than the popularity of peers. Thank you, Jesus.